This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And today's show, who's in and who's out in the East and Western Conference playoff races? Can Boston turn its season around? And which players are likely to ball out in the second half of the season? What's up, guys? Welcome to episode two of the Sir Charles in Charge podcast, aka the SCIC show. I'm your host, Jamie Campbell, and I hope your week hasn't been too tough without any NBA games to keep you entertained. But luckily, the All Star break has come to an end, and we're ready to get started with the second half of the season. So, we've got lots to talk about as we begin the home stretch, so let's just jump right into it. But before we do that, I just want to go over a few quick highlights from the All Star weekend in case you didn't get a chance to see it all. So we had Jason Tatum's half-court game winner in the skills challenge. That was pretty exciting. Uh, We had LeBron just draining half-court shots like there were free throws in the All-Star game practice. Uh, What about Hamadou Diallo's elbow dunk over Shaquille O'Neal? Other highlight from the dunk contest, we had Jay Cole's missed dunk. And then, of course, his incredible halftime show. And can we all agree that it was better than the Super Bowl halftime show? Okay, good, we're in agreement. And then, obviously, we have the main event, the All-Star Game itself, where, oh god, where do, where do we start? We had Dirk draining threes like it was 2011. We had Dwayne Wade with a final backboard alley-oop to LeBron. Uh, what about Steph to Yanis? His bounce pass alley-oop, that was pretty insane. Paul George's 360. Uh, Steph's self alley oop at the end of the game. I mean, man, it's just that's just entertainment at its finest. I, I love All Star Weekend, but it is over. It's in the past. We've got season to focus on now, so let's 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 get into the first topic. So, with the All Star Weekend in the bag, it's now time for the home stretch of the season. Well, some teams might be prepping for a playoff run, and other teams are just waiting for summer to come early. So with around 25 games left in the regular season, there's still a lot of drama to unfold, a lot of excitement to be had. So what I want to do, I want to take a look at the the top storylines to keep an eye on in the second half of the season. Starting out with who's in and who's out in the Western Conference playoff race. So the West this year is as stacked as it's ever been. At one point in the season, it seemed like 14 out of the 15 teams seemed to have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. Sorry, Phoenix. But now teams like the the Grizzlies and the Pelicans and the Mavericks, they've all seemingly dropped out of the race, leaving 11 teams to fight out in the remaining 25 games here. You've got Golden State, Denver, and Oklahoma City. They all seem to be locked into the top three spots. Portland and Houston seem to be virtual locks for the playoffs as well. So that leaves three final spots to be taken by either the Jazz, Spurs, Clippers, Kings, Lakers, and Timberwolves. 
Alright, so I want to start off by talking about who's most likely to fall out of this playoff race. So first up, we've got the Minnesota Timberwolves. So although they've managed to remain competitive throughout the season, even after all the Jimmy Butler drama and the subsequent trade, the Wolves just don't have enough right now to make a playoff run in this stacked Western Conference. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, he's been a beast since Jimmy Butler's left. Derrick Rose has been one of the best feel-good stories all year, playing at a borderline all-star level. But, I mean, they just don't have enough other pieces on this squad to make to make them any more than what they are currently, which is a decent middle-of-the-pack team. I mean, the only thing that could realistically change Minnesota's fortunes is if Andrew Wiggins can just come out of nowhere and become like the 20, 25-point-per-game scorer that he at one point seemed destined to be. But, I mean, that, that that's just not who he is anymore. So, Minnesota, sorry, I think you're out. Next up, we have the Sacramento Kings. First off, credit to the Kings for surprising everyone this year. I mean, before the season, most would have had them as a bottom feeder or a lottery contender. But, I mean, they came out with a vastly improved young core, led by their dynamic backcourt of De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. And they've just played really hard every night. And they've been really, they've been a real tough out for lots of the better teams in the league. And they also added Harrison Barnes at the trade deadline, which I thought was a great move. It was a big upgrade on the on the wing. So why why do I think they're gonna fall out of the playoffs then if they've made all these good moves? I mean, although acquiring Barnes was a smart move, I think it'll still take take a little bit of time to get him acclimated into the team properly. And truth is they just can't afford to play the long game here. They, they they just don't have the time to implement a new piece, especially a piece as, as big as Harrison Barnes. And with only three playoff spots up for grabs, they just I, ju- I just don't think they have enough time to overtake a team like Utah. And I don't see them sneaking into the eighth spot because of another team, which I'll get to in just a little bit. But um, before we do, the last team I have falling out of the playoffs is the LA Clippers. Now, I mean, earlier in the year, the Clippers were looking like a playoff lock. I mean, at one point, well, they even occupied the number one spot in the West. Albeit it was briefly, but still. Um, they did come back down to earth, but they were still they were still look, look, looking like a really good team and like they were going to be a tough out come playoff time. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, I mean, that all changed at the trade deadline when they, when they sent their leading scorer and best player at the time, Tobias Harris, to the Philadelphia 76ers. So, I mean, to me, it seems clear that the organization just, they didn't want to be stuck in that dreaded middle ground where, you know, they're a good team, but not a great team, so they can't contend, and they're not bad enough to compete for the lottery. And it seems like they weren't just happy with making the playoffs and instead opted to go in the opposite direction, looking to rebuild. So because of this, I, I don't expect them to still occupy the eighth spot when the season's over. Uh, I imagine they'll actually slip below 500 before too long. I mean, that's to be expected when you trade away a 20-point-per-game scorer who's also the best player on the team. So um, I, think that, I think that's a pretty safe pick there. Now, let's talk about who's in. So that means it comes down to the Jazz, Spurs, and Lakers. Now, Utah and San Antonio currently occupy the 6th and 7th seeds, 
And since both of them have been playing really well lately, I don't see either of them dropping out of the top eight. So that leaves us with the Lakers. Now, the Lakers are currently at 28 and 29 and are three games back of the eighth seed. And with just 25 games left, it would be fair to assume that it would be quite a stretch to expect them to make it into the playoffs. But that would be if you're talking about any regular team with a bunch of regular players. And we're forgetting one key factor here, and that is LeBron James. I mean, the man's arguably the greatest basketball player to ever have lived. He's still the best player on the planet, and he continues to defy age and put up one heck of a fight against Father Time. He's the best leader in basketball, and he's a guy that hasn't missed the playoffs since his second year in the league. That was in 2005. 2005, that's insane. And if history has taught us anything, I mean, in basketball and sports in general, it's that you never count out the true greats. And that's why I have LeBron and the Lakers not only making it into the playoffs, but I have them overtaking the Spurs to get to the seventh seed. Because I think LeBron and everyone understands how important it is to avoid Golden State at all costs in round one. So, expect a healthy, motivated, and energized LeBron to come out of the gate swinging post-All-Star break. Now, let's switch things up a bit here. Let's move over to the Eastern Conference, where there is also quite a tight playoff race. So we're going to look at who is going to get the final three playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. <clears throat> First up, we've got the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they're currently sitting in sixth. And, I mean, this team, they've taken everyone by surprise this year. Even being in the playoffs, we thought they would be, like, a lottery team. Or certainly, certainly not above 500 after the All-Star break. And they're led by first-time All-Star D'Angelo Russell. They've got Karis LeVert is just back from injury. I mean, this 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 is a good team. They've got Jarrett Allen, the SWAT machine. I mean, yeah, this is this is a really, this is a really, really surprising team here. And they are in... They are currently in the postseason race for the first time since the 2015 season. Remember back in the Darren Williams days? <laughs> However, they could face a little bit of trouble in the second half of the season as their schedule is pretty tough. They still have two games against the Bucks and one against the Raptors coming up. But they've been a great story so far. They've surprised everyone with how hard they've played. They're just going to need to keep that up and play their best basketball right now when it matters most. Next up, we've got the Charlotte Hornets, who are currently sitting in seventh. And they, too, are suffering from the same problem that Brooklyn will face for the rest of the year, and that is they have a very tough schedule. But, like Brooklyn, this, this team has some good players, led by Campbell Walker, who's just been torching teams this year, averaging 25 a night. So expect him to be extra motivated for down the stretch run. Guys like Jeremy Lamb, Nicholas Batum, MKG coming off the bench. I mean, these guys are going to have to step up, but um, expect them to follow Kemba's lead. All right, next up, we've got the Detroit Pistons, who are currently sitting in eighth place. Uh, led by Blake Griffin, who has had an injury-free and pretty spectacular season, actually. If you ask me, they've also got Andre Drummond making for one of the scariest front courts in the league. They're led by reigning coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. So on paper, this team should be better than they currently are, but their problems have been depth 
and lack of lack of production at the point guard position. Now, Reggie Jackson has he's been struggling all year, uh, struggling to regain the form he had a couple of years ago when he was you know a borderline all star point guard position, averaging about nineteen point six assists. But um, he has shown signs over the past couple of weeks. He's shown some signs of turning it around. He's scoring more efficiently now. He's playing more under control. So if he can, if he can sort of regain his form and make this big two into a big three, expect Detroit to make a little run down the home stretch this year. And especially, especially because they have a relatively easy schedule down the stretch. So don't be surprised if they even climb in the playoff rankings, actually. We've got the Miami Heat sitting in ninth. I mean, they've had a bit of a disappointing season. Yes, they've struggled with injuries to guys like Goran Dragic, but um, they have had players emerge and sort of blossom into... They look like future stars. I'm talking about guys like Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson. I mean, Justice Winslow, moving over to the starting point guard position, who knew how well that would work out? And then obviously you've got Josh Richardson who's become more of a sort of go-to offensive option for the team. <clears throat> but they still lack that that one guy, that one guy who can just go and get you a bucket, the kind of guy who teams really need come playoff time. And in terms of their schedule, it is a relatively tough schedule, so it will be an uphill battle for Miami Heat as they are currently on the outside looking in. In 10th place, we do have the Orlando Magic, who, again, have been better than probably most would have expected this year, led by first-time All-Star Nikola Vucevic. Uh, they've got guys like Terrence Ross coming off the bench, having a phenomenal, se- phenomenal season. Guys like Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, who's healthier this year, has uh, shown some good improvement in his second season. I mean, this team—they're no—they're no pushover, and their schedule is their their schedule is easy after the All Star break. But again, I I just I just I wonder if this team has enough. I mean, they've done really well to get to this point, and they are definitely a fringe playoff contender, sort of middle of the pack team. I just question if they have enough to really get over the hump and get into the postseason. And lastly, we're going to talk about the Washington Wizards, who are currently. In eleventh in the East right now, uh, it's fair. It's fair to it's fair to question why I would even talk about the Wizards, given that they lost their best player in John Wall to injury. They traded away probably their third best player in Otto Porter at the trade deadline. He went to Chicago, so now that basically leaves Bradley Beal as the lone star on this team, meaning it will be almost miraculous if he manages to carry this team into the playoffs. I mean, they do have some nice other pieces like Jabari Parker, Bobby Portis. They're both talented. Trevor Ariza's been playing well for them. But um, it's going to take a superhuman effort from Bradley Beal to lift this squad into the playoffs. To be honest, I, I, I don't see that happening. So, my prediction now I'd like to preface this by saying I could be completely wrong. I'm not I'm not shying away from that. But I think the three teams that are going to make the playoffs are going to be I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to finish in 6th. I just there's something about them, man. They've just they've got a lot of heart that team. I've got the Detroit Pistons moving up to 7th. 
Unfortunately, I have the Charlotte Hornets falling out of the playoffs just due to their tough schedule. And then I have the Miami Heat coming in to take their place with the number eighth spot. Now, disagree with me if you want. I might well be proved wrong, but let me let me know what you think. Who do you think is going to make it in? Who do you think is going to fall out? Now, <clears throat> another post-All-Star storyline to keep an eye on is surrounds the Boston Celtics. Now, the Boston Celtics, they've been one of the more disappointing teams this season. They're a team everyone had as the team to beat in the East. They had them almost as a virtual lock to make the finals, and they actually had them as a team that could challenge Golden State, even with DeMarcus Cousins joining them. However, things just haven't quite gone according to plan for the Celtics team. It's not like they've been bad. They're currently sitting at 37-21, and 21, which is, I think, fourth in the Eastern Conference right now, so not bad by any stretch of the imagination. But... If they want to turn their season around and live up to the expectations we all had for them, they're going to need to figure some things out. Namely, team leadership and buying in, first off. So Brad Stevens, he's already one of the best coaches in basketball. He possesses one of the great basketball minds. I mean, the playoff run that he led this team on without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward last year, getting them to the conference finals... That was nothing short of incredible. Now, working with a fully healthy roster, Stephen's problem has been probably the best problem that any head coach could dream of, and that is having just too much talent on the one team. I mean, this Boston team almost has two starting fives in their team. They are one of the deepest, they have one of the deepest rosters. And their problem has been a few of their key guys struggling to establish their role on the team and really buying into the system and the responsibility to fix that issue i think lands firmly on the head coach's shoulders so it's up to brad stevens and then the other leaders on this team guys like kyrie irving and al horford it's it's their turn to step up and really get everyone to buy into this system i mean if they can pull this off this team suddenly becomes all that more frightening and could end up giving a, giving Golden State a run for its money, if they manage to make it to the finals, that is. And I'd like to talk about the two X-factors on this team. So the two guys who have had the toughest time adjusting to their new roles have been Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward. I mean, both have struggled for different reasons, and they're both going to prove to be key factors in determining how far the Celtics go in the playoffs. So, Jalen Brown, he put the league on notice last year, taking huge strides, uh, improving greatly from his rookie season. I mean, he was particularly impressive in the playoffs, where he put up 18 points a night, 47% shooting, serving as an integral two-way piece on that squad's improbable conference finals run. And with that, expectations were raised coming into this year. People expected Brown to take another leap but he just hasn't been able to live up to the hype yet. I mean, a little over 20 games into the season, he was taken out of the starting lineup and thrust into more of a sixth-man spark plug role. I mean, this 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 would be tough for most players accustomed to starting, especially a young player like Brown, who's only 22, I think he is. But, I mean, to be fair to him, he's taken it in, shri- in stride. And over the, over the last wee while, he's... 
he is beginning to show signs of adjusting to this new role. He's looking more comfortable. He's getting his shot to start falling. And that's that's been the main problem that Jalen's faced all year, is that his perimeter shot is just not going in. I mean, last year he connected on just under 40% of his threes. I mean, that's down all the way to 31% this year, which is just, like, it's, it's inexplicable. But it is creeping back up and if he can get it back up to where it was last year while looking more comfortable in this bench roll expect boston's win count to go up a lot i mean i don't think it's a stretch to expect him to put up around 15 points and five boards a night for the rest of the season while continuing to serve as a great two-way player as well like uh, jalen brown can play defense as well let's not forget that and now on to gordon hayward so i think we all know by this point hayward's stint in boston got off to the most disastrous start when he suffered that horrible ankle injury which i still have not been able to watch by the way he suffered that five minutes into his first game as a celtic and then went on to miss the entire season so coming back coming back this year it was expected that we'd have a bit of rust but unfortunately that rust still hasn't really worn off But while he likely won't return to his Utah form this season, he has, like Jalen Brown has, he's begun to show signs of turning things around. He's shown increased confidence and aggressiveness, especially when it comes to attacking the rim, which has been a problem all year. He's he's really been lacking confidence, and he's looked really hesitant a lot of the time. But I think... I think a turning point in his season occurred when Boston played in Cleveland. So this was the first game Hayward had in playing in Cleveland since the horrific ankle injury. And you could see some of the plays he was making. He looked more athletic, more assertive, more aggressive, more sure of himself in the game. And since that game, granted it's only been five games, so it's not a big sample size, but he has put up 17 points, five boards, five assists while shooting an incredible 61% from the field. Like I said, it is a small sample size, but if you just watch his recent games, it's not just the stats that look better. It's it's the way he's playing. It's the way he's playing. It's his body language on the court. He just he looks more like himself. So if he can, can if he can keep up his efficient all-around play for the rest of the year, as well as having Jalen Brown grow into his role more, Man, expect the Celtics to go on a bit of a run to close this season. And I mean, when you look at Boston's roster, you can tell there is a championship team in there somewhere. But now the now the clock's ticking for them to find it. And like I said, if the two X factors of Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward can sort of get it together and sort of thrive in their roles, and Stevens can get everyone to buy in and play for one another, Matt Boston could end this season being labeled as the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. They could be where we expected them to be at the start of the season. Now, moving on. Our final post-All-Star storyline to watch. And this one's my favorite. Players who could break out and really ball out in the second half of the year. So oftentimes, you'll have players that struggle before the All-Star break and come out and really, really just get it together in the final 25 or so games of the season. And there are also those who may have also thrived before the break. They crank it into another gear when it comes to this time of the season. So, 
Let's have a look at this list of players who could potentially go off to end the year. We've got a few honorable mentions. We've got D'Angelo Russell for the Brooklyn Nets. Although he's already having a career year, but expect him to stay extra motivated as he tries to lead this team into the playoffs. We've got Pascal Siakam, who's come out of nowhere this year. Uh, he's one of the most improved players in the league. He's looking like a true rising star for, for the Toronto Raptors. And if they want to have any hope of reaching the finals and challenging the Warriors if they get there, he's going to have to remain as this do-it-all power forward that he's become. Like, he's a real integral piece for them. And finally, we have Reggie Jackson. So I touched on him a little bit when we are talking about uh, the Eastern Conference playoff race. I was saying he has shown signs recently of turning his game around. And if he can do that and be a solid starting caliber point guard for them, expect Detroit to make it into the postseason as well. But now, on to the main players that I want to talk about, the players that I expect to make the biggest leaper to play at the highest level to close the season. First up, I've got Gordon Hayward, who, again, I've already touched on. Um, so before the break, he's he's been a bit underwhelming, just putting up about 11 points a night, shooting just 44% from the field, only 34% of his threes. But, like I said, that turning point when he played in Cleveland, there's just something about him, man. He's just he's, he's looking more confident. Now, here's hoping that he can continue that, he can carry that into the second half of the season and into the playoffs. I would expect him in the final 20, 25 games of the season, I think it's fair to expect him to put up around 14 to 15 points, five rebounds, four assists. If he can get his efficiency up as well to about 45% from the field, get his three-pointer up, that's the big one. If he can get that up to around 39 40%, they'll be good. Boston will be good. <laughs> put it that way. Next up, we've got Chris Paul. When healthy, Chris Paul is still one of the best point guards in the league. But that's just the problem. He can't seem to remain healthy. He got injured in Game 5 of the Conference Finals last year and likely cost Houston a Finals appearance and potentially a title. He's also been hurt for a good portion of this year. But he's back now. He's healthy at the moment. If he can stay that way, expect him to go on a run, remind the world how good he is, and expect that to translate into more victories for Houston as they look to, you know, climb up the playoff ladder. Now for Paul, I mean, I would expect him to put up something in the range of 17 points, 9 assists, 2 steals, um, I do expect his efficiency to go up. I mean, he's shooting a career low 42% from the field. I would expect that to go up. I think his, uh, it's fair to expect his three-point percentage to go up as well. Just everything depends on health when it comes to Chris Paul. So this is assuming that he remains healthy. Next up, we've got Dennis Smith Jr. Now, things just didn't work out for Smith Jr. in Dallas. Right, but now that he's in New York, he's going to have more opportunities. I mean, I, I don't expect them to win many games. <laughs> and, and they don't have very many legitimate offensive threats. But I think in this situation, that works to Smith's benefit, actually. I think he's looking to he's just looking to grow and expand and mature his game in his second season. And he will have plenty of opportunities to do just that. Despite regressing statistically in his second year... Smith's 
efficiency, his scoring efficiency, has actually gone up this year. So hopefully, with his increased opportunities, he'll be able to retain this increased efficiency while also bumping up his usage rate and his overall box score numbers. So, I mean, I, I expect quite big things from him for the uh, final month or two of the season. I expect him to put up something in the range of 18 points and 6 assists, I think, while keeping keeping his current uh, scoring efficiency. Although one thing I do hope he improves on is his free throw shooting. I mean, he's shooting just 64% at the moment, so hopefully he can get that up above 70 at least. All right, number four, we have Donovan Mitchell for the Utah Jazz. Now, it's fair to say that Mitchell's sophomore season got off to a rocky, slow start. I mean, his shot wasn't falling, and it didn't look like he'd made any significant strides in any other area of his game. And you could see that in Utah's record as well. um, His lack of improvement meant that Utah actually fell out of the playoff race for a bit. But... It was around the turn of the new year, so when January rolled around, a flip seemed to switch in Donovan Mitchell's head, and he just all of a sudden became a star. He became the player that we thought he would be after his incredible rookie season. I mean, the 20 games since January 1st, the second-year Utah guard has averaged 26 points and five assists a night, and... You can see the effect this is having on the team. Utah have gone fourteen and six in that stretch, getting them up to I think they're in the the occupy the sixth spot in the West right now. So you can see what an integral piece he is to that team. I mean, he is their offense. So, like I was saying earlier, I don't expect Utah to fall out of the playoffs. So I'm assuming, I'm hoping that Mitchell keeps up his 2019 level of production as opposed to tw- to his 2018 production. So I expect numbers in the range of 25 points, 5 assists. I uh, expect his uh, efficiency to continue to go up, hopefully get above league average in 3, maybe around the 36% range. And yeah, expect expect Utah to go on a run and sort of follow his lead. And last up, last but not least... We have LeBron James. Now, LeBron James still the best player in the world, arguably the greatest player ever, but with his team currently sitting out of the playoffs, he is going to need to turn it into high gear. He's going to need to go zero dark 30 mode. He's going to just need to be playoff LeBron right now for this team, for the Lakers to want to have any chance of making it into one of those last playoff spots in the east now this is probably the biggest challenge biggest regular season challenge of lebron's career i mean after missing 18 games uh with that groin injury suffered against the warriors if that hadn't happened we probably wouldn't even be having this conversation right now they'd probably be a lock for the playoffs anyway but it did happen which means we are going to need to see peak lebron for the rest of the season. So, expect him to play at an MVP level. We're talking hovering around a 30-point triple-double a night. He's going to, I think he's going to have to up his free throw percentage, get that into the 75% range. I think he's going to need to up his three-point percentage just a little bit, given that he's become more of a volume three-point shooter this season. But, 
it's LeBron James. Expect him to do what needs to be done to get this young Lakers team into the playoffs. And if he does, I th- I think I I see the Lakers going for the seventh seed to avoid Golden State in round one. I would then actually give them a slight edge over the Nuggets in round one if they were playing. And that would just be the best case scenario because it would mean that they could avoid Golden State until the conference finals if they get there. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but just if if that happens, if LeBron can take this team that is currently not in the playoffs in the West, if he can take this team lead them on a run, get them into the playoffs, get them past the Nuggets in the first round, get them past most likely the Oklahoma City Thunder in the second round and make it to the conference finals. I mean, talk about adding fuel to the GOAT argument for LeBron. I mean, that would be that would be pretty incredible. But I digress. Point is, expect him to be a beast for the rest of the season. And that does it for episode two, guys. Those are all the main storylines that you should be focusing on after the All-Star break. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of this season. And then once the regular season finishes, we get to the best time of year for any basketball fan. And that is playoff time. But we've got lots, of, lots to cover before then. Lots of stuff that's going to happen. Lots of drama, lots of excitement. So remember to keep tuning in every week for new episodes. Hope you like this one, and I will see you on the next one. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.